to another episode of the Family Office Success Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Van Wright, and today we're going to delve into a topic that's crucial, crucial for individuals and families. Why would you create a family office? The concept of a family office has been gaining prominence in recent years, especially among those with substantial wealth. But what is a family office? Why should you consider creating one? That's what we're going to explore today. So let's start by defining what a family office is, because I think there's a lot of unknown about it. Traditionally, a family office was created to be a private entity that serves a single family as the financial quarterback. It's a comprehensive personal solution that is truly meant to offer whatever services that a family needs to help manage and protect the family wealth, to manage assets, to keep the business of the family running, to just make sure communication is spread across all of the team. So the most common types of family offices, there's really three. The first is the single family office, which is actually where the family office industry was born out of. Back in the 18, late 1800s, the Rockefeller family put together a family office specifically to be able to manage their assets. From there, others have grown out of that, out of the SFO or single family office. We have a lot of acronyms, so get ready. Came the multifamily office. And the multifamily office is really a collaboration between several or many families, hence multifamily office, that really have come together to provide a service, but not have to build their own business. So you can get some efficiencies and some economies of scale by being in a multifamily office, by sharing back-end operations, by sharing trading operations, software, compliance. There's a lot that goes into running a business, just like we run White River, just like you may run your own business. All of that has to go into a family office and be run as a business. And so by multiple families joining together to create this multifamily office concept, they were able to share in a lot of these costs. Today's version of a multifamily office traditionally and or typically looks very similar to an investment firm, an RIA, typically a registered investment advisor, who also does family office services. There are a number of them out there, all with a slightly different slant on what family office services are, how they do them, what they offer, if they offer it as a one fee, one-stop shop, if it's a separate fee from their investment management. It just really depends on their business model. But at this point, there are a lot of different multifamily office models out there. And if you are at one of them currently, you probably have noticed there are services that you utilize and there are services that you don't utilize. At the end of the day, whatever you choose to do, just needs to work for your family. There's no right or wrong to any of this. So we said our first common type is the single family office. They serve one family. The second most common is the multifamily office. It is a group of many families. They do not need to be related. They just happen to be utilizing the same backend services, compliance, trading, that kind of those services, all together to get economies of scale. The third kind and most common type of family office is the administrative and or hybrid family office. 
We call this AFO in my world. The third most common type of family office is the administrative or the hybrid family office. This is a newer model all around, though I suspect that once we start talking about it, you can see how a lot of administrative family offices already exist just by simple nature of how people are coming together. The difference is really going to be if it is a uh, led administrative family office or if it is a loose grouping of team members for an administrative family office. So those are the three most common types, single family, multifamily, administrative family office. So let's talk about a little bit more, break those down. We already said that the single family office is really serving a single family. Those, there's an old, there's an old adage that says, if you've seen one family office, you've seen one family office. There's not very often that the old adages ring true, but that one absolutely does because they are truly set up to be an individualized service for the family. They might cover investments plus residential properties, plus being part of the business, plus paying the bills, plus travel services. They could encompass all things together. A lot of times they do family governance, they do family meetings. Their role really is to help the family transition this wealth from generation to generation. And a lot of times a family will come into a start a single family office or come into a family office because they want a control over their resources. They want to know that when they pick up the phone to call someone to say, I need or I want something, that there's a person on the other end who is solely dedicated to getting whatever it is they want and or need to happen. So there's something there about control. There's also a lot there about privacy. So a lot of ultra high net worth families, they want to remain quietly in the background. They may be doing wonderful things from a philanthropy standpoint, but a lot of times you would never really know because they stand behind a foundation or they donate in ways that it's not obvious that it's the family. And so that single family office can really be built very specifically around what that family needs. Those are a couple of pros of having a single family office. The con or the downside is they can be very expensive to run because you are setting up a business. A single family office is set up traditionally as a business, which means you have all the same business expenses. You have payroll, you have health insurance, you have retirement benefits, you have to hire people, you have to do all of the things that come with having a traditional business. The other piece of a single family office that thankfully is becoming a little bit less common, but single family offices tend to be, they're not found for a reason, that the families want to stay anonymous as much as possible. And so a lot of single family offices are created either haphazardly or out of necessity. And those folks just tend to stay. And if they're not socializing, if they're not in the family office world, they're not finding other family offices 
which can be a little bit difficult to do because, again, you're not going to Google and find a whole bunch of single family offices to go find. They've got to get involved. And so if they're not involved with other industry groups, then they're not they may not be seeing a broader picture to really be able to give the family the most guidance at that point in time. It's so easy for all of us to get into a silo. We put our heads down and we work. And every once in a while, if we're not looking up to see the what the weather is doing outside the window, we're going to miss new changes that are happening, legislation that's coming down the pike that it's easier to get ready for a year and a half in advance than for it to sneak up on you, to find that there's other software that can do the same job and be make your life easier. Efficiencies, processes, compliance, all of these things are changing as rapidly as the rest of the world is at this point. And so by having the members of those teams, of those single family office teams involved outside of the family office, they're going to be much more likely to be able to bring in those new ideas. That's not always a good thing in those types of environments. And so, you know, the downside to a single family office is it's very easy to get siloed. They are expensive to run. The general rule of thumb is you, you know, you need to be probably somewhere in the family having assets of 500 to 800 million or more to really make a single family office work. So, those are just a some few a few things about the single family office. I think most of us finding this podcast at this point are probably more or just as interested in the multifamily office and the administrative family office. So let's talk a little about about the multifamily office. As we discussed earlier, the multifamily office is meant to serve multiple families. They don't need to be related. You don't even probably know each other. But you come to a central location and they are able to give you services that you didn't have to set up your own business to get. So they can offer you tax. They can offer you maybe some light legal services. The the attorneys uh, in the legal world are really a little bit protective of legal services being done by by an attorney in in a legal capacity. But they can certainly do some light touch work. They can do document storage. They certainly can communicate with the rest of your team. They can handle your insurance through their own brokerage services. They certainly do investments. So they run your investment portfolio. They will ensure that your cash flow is coming. They will effectively do most things, not everything, but most things that you want. Those are some high-level services, tax, legal, on the light side, accounting, some concierge. They can certainly get you in touch with others. Some services that you may not see inside of a traditional multifamily office is property management, setting up other businesses that need to be run outside of the the family's services. Some, Some will do that, but that is a little less common. Managing properties, many of them will do payroll, which is very helpful or getting homes ready. Uh, If you have multiple homes across the country or across the world, you have staff in each of those homes. Not only do those staff need to be paid, but 
they can coordinate to say, you know, the family's coming in this week. Let's get the, you know, we we know what they want in the grocery store from the grocery store. They we know what they want stocked in the fridge. Let's go ahead and get that done. Let's get the house cleaned. You know, let's make sure that any projects that we were working on are wrapped up. Basically a make ready for the family to get there. A lot will do that. Some won't. It really just depends on the multifamily office and what their services are. The costs associated with a multifamily office, as mentioned, are significantly lower than having your own business or your own single family office. However, that can fluctuate based on how that multifamily office bills their clients. Some multifamily offices only bill when based on their assets under management. Basically, that means how much money you have placed with them to run investments on. So those fees go anywhere. I've seen them from one and a quarter percent of assets under management or what they're investing for you all the way down to 20 or 30 basis points, which in English means 0.2 or 0.3 of 1%. So, and, and anywhere in between. Some multifamily offices will only charge that initial fee or that fee based on the investments and any of the additional services that they offer just roll up under that fee. This sounds great on the surface. I completely agree. The challenge with it, though, is that if the multifamily office is making, look, we're all a for-profit business. Let's just get this out. Let's just get this on the table. Everybody here is a for-profit business. The challenge is whenever an, a multifamily office or any business in this industry charges only an assets under management fee, let's just say for ease of math, they charge 1% and you have $100 million with them. They're charging you that 1%. And under that, they're paying for all of the extra services that they're offering to you. So if they're doing your bill pay, if they're doing your bookkeeping, if they're doing your, if they're providing the CPA to do your tax work, if they are providing concierge travel or effectively anything that they are wrapping under that fee, including investment management, because there is a cost of that. There are people who are working to specifically choose the investments that you're in. If they're reviewing third-party investments, other private equity investments, there are people who are sitting behind the desks to make all of that happen for you. And so if you're paying that fee, you have no idea what each of those services are breaking down to. You may use the heck out of bill pay and bookkeeping, but you may not want them to do your taxes. You may want that outsourced. You may not have them handle your insurance. You may have an insurance advisor or broker that you have used forever and that you want them to use. So you just never, without knowing exactly what the fees are for each of those services, it makes it a little bit difficult if you're picking and choosing what you want to do. From your perspective, it makes more sense if you are utilizing all of the services that the that the multifamily office is going to offer. From their perspective, that's a few less services that they have to do for you that need to fall under your fee. Additionally, there comes a point, not always, but a lot of times in a relationship with a family under the, the one Pay, pay one fee and we do everything for you model where 
you you grow, you grow. Your needs grow. You know, what you're asking for grows. They don't want to tell you no. You don't want them to tell you no. But the challenge is, is at some point, if you're continuing to grow and they're continuing to say yes, and your fee is not changing, even though your assets, you know, the amount of money you have invested with them may go up or down based on the market or based on whatever you're doing personally, if you're, you know, funding the the construction of a new property or or funding a new business, all of those things come come in together to to determine, you know, how much money is is with them. If you get to a point where you're asking for more services and they don't want to tell you no, they might actually be under underwater, for lack of a better term, on your fees because it's costing them more to serve you than they're than they're making on the relationship. So that's not a great place for either of you to be. So while it sounds really lovely that you pay one fee, there's no nickel and diming, you get one bill and write the check, ACH pulls out of your account, whatever the case is, that feels like a very easy, simple, done and done transaction. The challenge is when you get to the point that you're that they're paying more to service you than they're actually making. That leads to a whole host of things. It can lead to uncomfortable conversations for sure. It can lead to less than less than excited about getting things done for you. Hopefully that's not the case. It may mean a pullback in services that you've been experiencing and now you're no longer going to. You just you just don't know. The best kind of relationship to have between any two people or any two businesses is to have a mutually beneficial. You have to see the value in it and they do too. And so you just don't want to get into a situation where they are upside down and you don't know it because that doesn't serve you well. The other piece to be cognizant of in the multifamily office is that a lot of times when you send documents to them or you're you know you're going about your business uh, everything just goes there it's the natural place of course you want documents stored of course you want somebody who is overseeing the entirety of your financial life that just makes good sense what happens if you decide that that specific business is no longer in your family's best interest and you need to do something else Maybe you've outgrown them. It happens. And there is no reason to be upset about that on either side. If you're feeling as the family that this relationship is is strained because you're asking for more than they can give, there's a pretty good chance if you're the service provider, you're feeling the same way. And maybe you just don't know how to broach the conversation with the family. So if you're feeling tension, the other side probably is too. So just keep that in mind. We outgrow things and that's okay. What you need to know and you need to ask when you start working with or when you're interviewing a multifamily office is all of these things are going to be coming to you. The taxes, the bookkeeping records, the insurance policies, all the things are coming to you. And rightfully so. And you're coordinating and you're you're holding on to them and you're making sure that everything is up to date. What happens if we decide to go our separate ways? 
what happens? How quickly can I get my information? How quickly can I get all of my documents exported to me? Do I own everything that you are doing for me right now? That can be a bit of a challenge depending on how they're set up, depending on how they hold their documents, how they do their notes. So it's some it's just something to consider when you're in the market for a new way of doing business for the family to get some help. Make sure that you ask specifically what happens if this relationship terminates? How do I get my stuff back? How quickly and is this can this be amicable between us. That is the most beneficial thing that one of the most beneficial things that you can understand about who you're working with. And if they don't have a great answer to it, I would think just think a little bit more about it. In today's day and age of technology and security and cybersecurity and making sure that everything is locked down, that's a really important thing that you own your data and that you can retrieve it and get it back at any point in time. Not only can you get it back, but it is in a usable format that someone else could pick it up and could transition. The last thing you want is to effectively have to start over because you and the multifamily office that you have been working with for five or 10 years, for whatever reason, are no longer working together. So pros, significantly, usually less expensive than starting your own business. You don't have the headaches of having to start your own business. You can get economies of scale. You can get efficiencies with everything you need. You're not buying your own technology. You're using theirs. You're using their staff who is seeing a lot of things and who is getting that outside feedback and information about what's happening in the market. There are some really great things about multifamily offices, and this is the ex- absolutely the right place for a lot of people. You don't necessarily have to be hands-on. They, w- they would like you to, for, and you should consider uh, some level of hands-on so everybody is on the same page. But it really can be a true plug-and-play example of how you can move forward and take some weight off your shoulders and, and not have to worry that things aren't getting done. The drawbacks... You're one of many. You're you know, not necessarily going to get that immediate pick up the phone when you call immediately done. Uh, you have to understand you're part of a bigger group and make sure that when you ask for things back, that that can come back. Also make sure that your expectations are being met, that your service level is being met and make sure that you feel The important thing is that you feel that you are getting the value for what they are offering for that fee. So the third type is the administrative family office. This is a little bit of a different uh, different breed of family office. This concept is more of a hub and spoke, typically. So the family, truly think of it as a hub and spoke. The family and the quarterback, for lack of a better term, the conductor, the air traffic controller sit in the middle of this circle and all of the team, the rest of the team, the providers are spokes off of that center, off of that hub. So your investment advisors, your insurance advisors, your attorneys, estate planning, business, your CPA, your bookkeeper, your you know, if you have someone else doing your payroll, your house manager, your 
asset manager, everybody that you can think of that is around you is a spoke coming off of that center hub, which, as I mentioned in the beginning, might sound familiar to a whole lot of people. Um, This is just a more coordinated attempt to make sure that when something happens in that hub, that every spoke knows exactly what's going on. So one hand is always talking to the other hand, who's talking to the other ear behind you, who's relaying it. All information is transmitted on a immediate and needed basis. So perfect example of this is family decides to, they're gonna start building a new house. When you build a house, there's a lot that comes with that, including a whole lot of stress of trying to work out what all of this means. This is usually going to be on top of running the business as an entrepreneur, raising kiddos if you have them, being a good partner, being a philanthropist, all of the other hats that you wear. We just added another one on top. So in this example of an administrative family office, that coordinator, that quarterback or that air traffic controller can make sure that the attorneys know that we have a new house going up. So we need to accommodate for that in in documents somewhere. We need to make sure that the CPA knows that we have these other things going on. We need to make sure that the investment advisor knows because if we're going to do draws off of the investment account or we're going to get a loan, the CPA needs to understand that. The insurance advisor needs to know what's happening. They need to know that we're buying or we're building a new you know, a new home. We need to get coverage on that. All of these things, just by making the one decision that you're going to build a house, many people in the team need to know throughout that process, we have, you know, it needs to be figured out. Are we going to have a house manager? Is a house manager from another property going to oversee this one as well? Just all of those things, not to mention overseeing the actual construction of the property. So, You can see how just in a very small example, one decision can can really make ripples across the family's team. So by having that central hub, all of that can happen outside of the family needing to do so. The thing about an administrative family office services company, they're not going to do many or if any of those services that are in the spokes going around the wheel. There might be a few. They might do pay the bills for the family because that's something that's super close to what the, you know, the family's needing. They might do the, the bookkeeping, but they outsource the CPA, the actual tax work to the CPA that either you've known for a long time or is going to be able to do exactly what you need. They're going to outsource to the attorney, to the to the estate planning attorney that you need. The one that understands a ultra high net worth family with multiple businesses, with multiple properties, with some complexity, with a generational transfer of wealth. You need someone who understands that. You need a CPA who understands and who can pull all of that together and who can help the investment advisor understand Here's what we need. We have too much in capital gains. Can you pull that back? Can you put that in municipal bonds? The investment advisor also has to be able to understand and and 
play inside the team if we're going we're doing cash flow needs. The great thing about the administrative family office is it can expand and contract as the family needs it. So in the example of a new residence going under construction, at that point in time, you need to, or you may want to add a project manager, a real estate project manager spoke to your wheel to help manage that project specifically. You may want to bulk up on the legal staff if you are buying a new business or you're about to sell your business. By having a hub and spoke approach, you're really able to go and get the very best service provider for exactly what you need in that moment in time. It's not somebody that you're keeping on staff for the long term. It's not someone that you're paying for even incrementally that you're not using. You go get them. You use them. You finish that project. You say, thank you so much. We'll call you back again if we need you in the future. And this hub and spoke contract a little bit. So the nice thing about or the differentiator for the administrative family office is that it really takes a blend of the first two It can, very much like the single family office, be built around the family exactly what is needed in that moment. And if someone parts ways, let's say the attorney or the CPA retire and someone comes in to their place and maybe or maybe it's just time to look for a different provider in one of those areas by having everything centralized in that hub, all the documents, all of the bookkeeping reports, all of the legal documents, all of the investment reports, everything for you as a family sitting in that hub, it's much less disruptive to the family structure or to the team structure because we're able you're able to just replace that one spoke with someone new and everything can that they need can then be fed to them from the hub. If that makes sense. So, typically that hub, the administrative family office will make sure that documents are collected, organized, and ready to be distributed as needed. That should be a database that is owned by the family, that is readily accessible by the family, and then specifically by the the folks that need specific documents. The bookkeeping reports, the bill pay reports, the mail service, if you have that, the payroll, everything really should be centralized in that in that hub with the administrative family office. It just makes for easier communication and coordination for on behalf of the family when it's all together, just like the single family office, just like the multifamily office, when you can have that centralized position, communication between everyone just gets that much simpler, as does project or task management when you're trying to update your estate plan and you're trying to uh, just you know make sure that everybody is covered, it makes it much, much easier. So the administrative family office is going to have a, from a cost perspective, the lowest cost of everybody because they're they're not supporting, they're not directly paying for the CPA the attorney bills, the, you know, all of the the team that goes around as it contracts and expands, you're paying the administrative family office to do what they do specifically. As you use legal services, 
you pay the legal bills. As you use the CPA services, you pay the CPA's bills. And so a lot of times the administrative family office will help coordinate that. They'll go back to the, they can go back to those providers and say, wait a minute, we did this. Why, you know, tell me more, help me understand why the bill came back as it did. Or actually, you know what, here's what I know is about to happen. I know that over the next two years, we're actually going to be doing a whole lot of things that require legal service because you know what's happening being in the hub with the family. You can go to that legal provider and say, here's what I know is happening. This is not just a one-off deal that we're doing. This is going to be a multi-year project. Can we set some, some maximums or can we set, you know, can I take a look at your hourly rate? Can we talk about what goes to the head lead attorney versus what goes to the the paralegal. You can have those conversations. So a lot of times just having someone who has the bigger picture and who can talk that through with the other service providers, a lot of times you you actually still come out at a better a better better invoice rate simply because you can have those conversations. So there is the fee to an administrative family office. It is going to be much lower. Just know that you're paying for those other services in that spoke as you use them and as you need them. So as a wrap up, we have three fam- common types of family offices, the single family office, the multifamily office, and the administrative family office. How they come together can be intentional. It can be purely by happenstance. Those are usually the two ways they come together. The primary objective, though, is that they work for your family. You see the value. You feel the value day in and day out. That's the best opportunity for success for both you and your providers. So we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. We hope that this has unveiled a little bit more about the three common types of family offices and maybe you heard some things about one or the other that piqued your interest, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. 